be with you again. I'd like to begin with prayer. Our Father and God, we thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we ask that you would come in and that you would rest with us, that you would sit with us, and that you would speak to us. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would fall down on us and that we would be able to hear clearly what it is that you have for us today. Lord, we ask your blessings. We ask that you would open our ears and our hearts, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It is Super Bowl Sunday. That's right. Yeah, go Falcons. I'm sorry. I had to drop that in there. It's good to be with you this morning. We're reading from Mark chapter 8 and starting at verse 14. So if you have your Bible, please. Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? This morning we're continuing in our series, The Struggle, and we're focused on spiritual blindness. That's the title of our message today, Spiritual Blindness. And it is Super Bowl Sunday, so I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to be interactive this morning. I know some of you are chomping at the bits to get to your, to your game, uh, but I'm going to ask you to, to be interactive already. Let's start early. Have you ever imagined that you saw something and were so convinced that you saw it that you made a fool out of yourself? Thank you. All right. Now, that's what I'm talking about. When I was about five years old, I knew for sure that I saw Dracula, the Wolfman, and Frankenstein on my bedroom wall. I knew that, I, I, I just knew that. But it turned out to be that that was because of the hot dog that I had at 11.30 that night <laughs> that made me see Frankenstein and Dracula. Have you ever misidentified someone or have been misidentified and told that you look like somebody? I've been told that I look like Raj from what, that 70s show, What's Happening? <laughs> I've been told that I, I look like Andre Tippett, the Patriots football player. I've been told that I look like Billy Ocean when I had the goatee. <laughs> I've even been told that I look like Morgan Freeman. 
I wanted to ask, what are you looking at? (laughs) Someone even told me that Pastor Rob looked like George Clooney. (laughs) I'm just kidding, nobody would say that. (laughs) Have you ever experienced walking up to a car that you thought was yours and putting your key or trying to put your key in and realizing that this is not your car? Or worse yet, you actually open the door, sit down in the car, and find out that this is not your stuff. My point is this, that sometimes what we are looking at is not what we perceive it to be. It might be an object or a person or an event We might catch a glimpse of it from the side, or we might catch a shadow or an outline or the shape of something that we're familiar with and assume that it's something that is not. Sometimes our perspective doesn't allow us or our eyes and our brains to receive all of the information. Sometimes pressure and fear, our desires and needs blinds us and we're unable to clearly identify what we're looking at. I believe this is the case for the disciples. I believe they had a little bit of this going on when they were unable to perceive and understand what Jesus was saying to them. Jesus wanted them to perceive one thing, but they saw and understood something else. He had hoped that they would see and perceive the spiritual implications of his lesson, but they could not. They once again demonstrated their spiritual blindness. But Browncroft and friends, they are not alone. The disciples are not alone. Even today in our time, Jesus wants us to see the spiritual implications of the things that we experience. But sometimes we cannot. He gives us a lesson or experience, but we focus on the wrong thing. Sometimes we are so distracted by what's going on that we miss the entire point that he's trying to teach us. This morning, I want to make three points about the lessons and why we sometimes miss the spiritual implications that God wants to teach us. And I want to give us a few suggestions for what we should do to improve our spiritual vision. The first point is this. Sometimes our inability to see spiritual things is because we're more focused on earthly things. But in order to see spiritual things, we must adjust our focus and try to see what Jesus sees. My second point is this, that sometimes we are unable to see spiritual things because our ability to perceive them is not what it should be. We have things that block our vision, like sin or spiritual immaturity. But in order to see spiritual things, we must improve our ability to see them. My third point is that sometimes we're unable to see spiritual things because we have forgotten the one who we are following. We have taken our eyes off the one who has the power to help us to see spiritual things. But in order to see spiritual things, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. 
In this passage, we find Jesus and his disciples on a boat after he had fed the 4,000 and fed them with seven loaves of bread. And after the Pharisees came to him and asked him for a sign to prove that he was the Messiah. Apparently, the grand banquet was not enough. But after his encounter with the Pharisees, Jesus finds this to be a teachable moment. And he says to the disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The Pharisees being the religious leaders of the day and Herod being the political leaders of the day. The disciples heard what he said, but it's clear from their conversation that they really did not understand what he meant. Instead of trying to understand what he meant, they figured out that Jesus had said this because they had forgotten dinner. Now, here's the interactive part. And normally I wouldn't do this, but I'm going to ask you to repeat this. It's not about the bread. It's about the bread. Jesus was giving a warning with, his, with life-changing implications. These words had the power to change their lives, to refocus their ministries, to help them to focus on the things that were most appropriate. But they didn't get it. They thought it was about the bread. But it's not about the bread. Thank you. But you know what? We can't criticize them too much because a lot of us can lose our focus. And we focus on the wrong things. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have taught your teenagers not to drive with your cell phone and not to look at your cell phone when it rings or when the text buzz goes off? But when they are not looking and your phone rings, you have a tendency to, to just take a quick look at it. See, it's easy for us to get distracted. When my oldest daughter was little, and even sometimes now, I would come home, and, uh, or they would come home and want to talk about all these important things that went on at school. And I'd pay attention for about three seconds before something semi-miraculous would happen on television that would draw my focus away. Apparently, I had done this enough times to the point where they would stand in front of me to get my attention so that I wouldn't look at the television. My oldest daughter would take her bony fingers and move my chin <laughs> so she would make sure that I was looking at her. But we can get so locked in on things that are ancillary and secondary that we miss the signs. We miss the clues. We miss the blatant warnings. I remember as a child, I was so focused on getting outside for some reason. My mother was washing the windows, and uh, I wanted to help her wash the windows. Don't ask me why. I was about six years old, and I had just eaten lunch, and I remember running from the kitchen, running through the front room, and running right through the glass screen door. 
As I was leaning out the window, my next door neighbor says to my mother, I believe that boy need glasses. <laughs> I don't know why I was so excited about that. I don't know why I didn't bother to touch the handle as I went through the door. I don't know why the glass on the door was so cheap. <laughs> or why I was so powerful as a six-year-old. I don't know why my neighbor chose to announce her discovery of my blindness at this particular time. But I do know that my focus needed to be adjusted. Because 12 stitches later, that was not the outcome that I was expecting. I want to ask you today, what draws your attention away from the lesson that God is trying to teach you? What distracts, your, what distracts you, what, what moves your eyes away from the things that he wants you to see? Truth be told, some of us have the spiritual attention span of a ferret. I don't like ferrets. Have you seen them? A gentle breeze would get their attention. A subtle twist of a leaf might get their attention. Or the speedy movement of an earthworm, anything might get their attention. But seriously, what draws your spiritual attention away from spiritual things? The things that God wants you to focus on. Does the things at work draw your attention? Does the drama in somebody else's life draw your attention? Does U.S. politics draw your attention? Does church politics draw your attention? Even in the writing of this sermon, I can't tell you how many times I got up from my seat to attend to some foolishness. Just before I wrote that little bit about the ferret, I looked through my study window to my backyard and I saw something flashing and, and, and waving. And I had to get up to see what that was. So I went to go get my binoculars. <laughs> and we, you know, I told you we have a golf course behind the house. Guess what it was? It was the flag from the green. I wasted five minutes on that. <laughs> Browncroft and friends, when these things happen, we must adjust our focus. We must reset our eyes and attention and see what is most important. I'll tell you how to do this in point three, but for now, let's move on to point two. That's called a teaser. My second point is this, that we must improve our ability to perceive. Sometimes we are simply unable to see spiritual things. Sometimes it's a question of capability. And at other times, it's a question of perspective. You are simply in the wrong place and you can't see it. Now, I'm not talking about those things that are hidden from us on purpose, but I'm talking about the things that we're supposed to see, but we can't see them. I'm talking about those things we are unable to perceive because we have put blinders on, or we're too far away to see or because they have been purposely camouflaged 
by Satan. Getting back to our text, Jesus warned the disciples to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. The disciples were confused. They thought it was about the bread, but it wasn't about the bread. It was about the bread. Jesus was using the metaphor to symbolize the subtle nature of sin, the destructive influence of the Pharisees, the false teaching, and the corrupt influence of Herod's immorality. By this time, Jesus is trying to figure out, what's wrong with these dudes? How can you hear what I've said and still say it's about the bread? It's not about the bread. It's about the bread. Jesus asked them, how have you not perceived this? Is your heart hardened? Are your spiritual eyes not working? Do you not have the ability to perceive? Now let me step back for a minute and talk about the leaven or yeast for a second. Leaven or yeast is, in, is the ingredient in bread that gives the dough the power to rise. A little amount of yeast is powerful and pervasive, but too much yeast will cause the bread to cave in on itself, to crumble it, and to make it inedible. Okay, so while we can enjoy the bread, the end product, the outcome of mixing the ingredients together and baking it, there is one ingredient that has such power that it can ruin the whole thing. Sin is just as pervasive and destructive. God has made us with some good ingredients, but if any sin gets in here, any sin, not a little sin, not some sin, but if any sin gets in here, it has the power to be totally destructive. We must realize that when this happens, when there's sin in our lives, it blocks us from being able to see what God wants us to see. I think that we totally underestimate the influence of sin in our lives and how Satan deliberately camouflages his nature. The Apostle Paul said to the Galatians that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. The power of a little sin can ruin the whole thing, but it's subtle. It could be hidden or camouflaged, but it is definitely deadly and destructive. Sin blocks us from being able to see the goodness of God. It masks the, our biblical prosperity. It blocks us from being able to appreciate his grace and his mercy and his love. Sin distorts true love. It weakens our ability to see how God is working on our behalf. Sin makes us think that the Bible and what he says is restrictive and not that we are free in Christ. As I prepared this message, I started wondering about the kind 
of leaven that Jesus would warn us about today. I think today he would say, beware of the leaven of ambition. Too much greed in there could make us miss the point of why he gave us jobs and careers in the first place. I think he might say, beware of the leaven of social media. A little bullying, a little self-interest, a little braggadocio, a little meanness, a little irrationality could make us forget about social media's power to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He might say, beware of the leaven of politics. A little corruption, a little fear, a little misuse of power can make us miss the fact that this world is not our home. I need to repeat that. This world is not our home. We are here for a short time. Then God calls us home. We must remember that we're to be strange ambassadors in this place. We get an opportunity to train here and to learn to love one another and to learn to be gracious to one another. Because ain't none of that going on up in heaven. We must focus on the right things. He might say, beware of the leaven of religion. A little false teaching, a little misrepresentation, a little looking the other way on issues of morality can ruin the credibility of the church and make people think that they are followers of Christ when they're really not. I think Jesus would warn us about a few leavens, but the question is, would we have the spiritual perception to understand what he's saying? We must adjust our focus. We must improve our ability to perceive spiritual things. But how do we do this? This leads me to my third point. In order to adjust our focus, in order to improve our ability to perceive, we must fix our eyes on Jesus. We must fix our eyes on Jesus. Because it's not about the bread. It's about the bread. We must fix our eyes on Jesus. After asking the, them the question, do you not see and do you not hear, Jesus, in a way, moves their chin so that they could focus on him. He asked them, do you remember when I broke the five loaves and fed 5,000? Do you not remember or just a short while ago, when I fed the 4,000 with the seven loaves, what he was trying to get them to understand was, it's not about the bread, but it's about the bread. It's not about the physical bread, the five loaves or the seven loaves. It's not about the green bread, the dollars or euro or yen. It's about the spiritual bread. Not that which makes your belly full, but that which makes your soul full. Jesus says, I am the bread and the life. Whoever comes after me will never go hungry. 
He said, the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He said, I am the bread which has come down from heaven, and whoever eats this bread will live forever. If we want to see spiritual things, we must adjust our focus by looking at the big picture of God's kingdom and the person who rules it. It's not about the temporal things which pass away or the changing things or the things that make us happy or unhappy, but it's about the eternal things, the things that should always be with us, like love and joy and peace. How do we adjust our focus? By looking beyond the here and now and seeing things from a heavenly perspective, or by seeing how your life can change right now, today, through a relationship with him. If you know the master baker, the bread of life, the bread multiplier, the manna from heaven, concentrate on him. And even if you don't know the master breaker, the bread of life, the manna from heaven, Concentrate on him anyway. Look him up. Find out what he's done. He's done some amazing things. How do we improve our ability to perceive spiritual things? The writer of Hebrews said it best. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The NIV puts it this way. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Eventually, after spending time with Jesus and observing his habits and watching the things he did and listening and trying to understand and figure out what his stories meant and how the miracles performed and how he taught people, eventually the disciples began to see the spiritual implications of what he did and what he would say. Browncroft and friends, it's the same for us. After spending time with him, after watching what he's doing, the miracles that he's performed in our lives, we should start to understand the spiritual implications of the lessons that he's trying to teach us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus helps us to realize that leaven does not have to make Facebook Twitter, and Snapchat, instruments of pain and lies. Fixing our eyes on Jesus helps us to see that politics is a thing and not a God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus helps us to see that our workplace is a place of work and not a temple. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, then we will see how the events of the past and the circumstances of the day are leading to his return. We will see how faith, love, charity are the hallmarks of true Christianity and how grace compels us to be gracious to others. Browncroft and friends, if you want to cure spiritual blindness, we must adjust our focus 
improve our ability to perceive, and fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your example. We thank you for how you bless us and how you reveal to us the things you want us to see. We pray, Lord, that you would improve our spiritual vision. Help us to understand the implications of the lessons and the experiences that we've had and what you want us to see. Lord, I thank you for this congregation, and I ask God that you would continue to bless us, allow us to hear from you as we go from day to day. Lord, we just thank you for being our God, and we ask these things in Jesus' name.